The scriptures today are just filled with various aspects of the liturgy of the word, and that is this, the first part of the mass, the liturgy of the word. When Vatican II, those of you who remember it, opened in 1963, the bishops of the world did something very different. We all know what the altar is. There was a second altar in the middle of St. Peter's Basilica. And the second altar was right in the middle of the aisle, surrounded by 2,500 bishops and other dignitaries of the church. That became another altar, the altar of the word. And from Vatican II, the great ecumenical council to today, we still use that pattern. The liturgy of the Eucharist takes place here, Liturgy of the Word takes place here. Liturgy is made up of work of the people. So when we're gathered in church for Mass, the liturgy is divided into the Eucharist and to the Word. So the whole Mass is the Word and the Eucharist. That's what we're here to celebrate. Today in Nehemiah, we hear the first version of a liturgy of the word. The people were assembled. They had come back to their devastated Jerusalem and the hierarchy searched through all the rumble and they found the scriptures, the scroll that the Jews used their Torah on, they, they read their Torah from. And they were so happy that they found this. And you gotta realize, these are people in a culture, Semitic culture, and they were surrounded by polytheists, tribes of people who had their own gods and goddesses. And they had statues and amulets reminding them of those gods and goddesses. Jews don't have that. Jews have the word and the scriptures, and that was bound in what they called the Torah, the first five books of scripture. So their connection with God wasn't through a statue, an altar of sacrifice like we have, or any other reminiscences. They don't even have images in their temples and synagogues. So the word was the presence of God. For us, we supplement the presence of God in the Word with the visual Eucharist, with the tabernacle, with the crucifix, and reminiscences of our faith historically, statues, saints, stories, but not the Jews. So when Nehemiah searches through the rubble and they surface the scroll, it was God's presence that they surfaced. And he got up on a platform and he started reasoning it. Ezra starts reading it. And the people are overwhelmed. Now, there were long books. There were five books. And many of them had rules and the laws. There's like 613 laws that they had to read and understand, uh, plus other aspects of the Torah. So people started crying and weeping that they're finally being able to connect with God. And the leader says, don't cry, don't weep, rejoice. 
you're being connected with God. Don't worry about the sins you've done and, and what, you, what you failed to do according to all these rules. Rejoice that you have God with you as you study his word. And little by little, they kept studying the word. So that was the first historical liturgy of the word that we use. Jesus comes home, goes to Nazareth. He's educated now. He's studying with some rabbis. And everybody knows this is a hometown kid. Comes back. Now, town, town could have been like 15 homes and whatever number of people fit in those homes. So, but they had a synagogue. And the synagogues were supposed to be local places of prayer when you can't get to the temple in Jerusalem. So he goes in, and as a good Jewish male, he's welcomed, and the scribe gives him the scroll. He rolls out the scroll and points to the passage that you just had you just heard read. I want you to do me a favor. If you choose to, don't, I'm not pressuring you. Take out your little missalettes for a second. Turn to the gospel that I just read. And after you read the section, he unrolled the scroll and found the passage. Look at the passage that begins, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you have that? Okay. Read it out loud, please. Let me hear it. That's your mandate. That's your rule from God. We are being said today, these words are ours. Now, they were holy words. The Spirit of God was upon him. Now, Jesus knew that these words, written by Isaiah centuries before, were going to be fulfilled in his life. And because of that second reading you heard read today from Corinthians, brothers and sisters, we're one body with many parts. This reading is ours. Father Bob might not like it, but after the missalettes are finished, rip that page out and take it home. Or go to your scriptures at home and open up Luke. And look at that passage as your daily prayer for a while. The Spirit of God in Jesus is upon us. We, we already know why we're here. A few seconds ago, we reminded ourselves we're here for the liturgy of the Eucharist, liturgy of the Word. But that's not enough. We have to leave here with that. We have to leave here knowing that the Holy Spirit is upon every one of us. Children, adults, seniors, babies. The Holy Spirit, these are his words 
excuse me, the Holy Spirit's words, no gender. These are the words of the Holy Spirit to all of us that we have to imbibe, that we have to take into ourselves. Because when Jesus comes on the scene and goes to his hometown, he's now announcing why he even was born, why he was even educated. And in case they forgot, or in case they didn't know, and they didn't recognize him, we know that because after this section is read in Luke, they try to throw him off a cliff. Because there's not... What do you mean the Spirit of the Lord is upon you? What do you mean God anointed you to do his work? What do you mean we have to announce glad tidings? What do you mean that we have to cure people and bring them hope? Yes, yes, yes. That's our mandate. In a few moments, we're going to stand up and we're going to say the creed. And the creed very methodically lists what we believe. And if we just say it, blah, 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 like words, don't. Don't say it at all. But if you say it and read it and imbibe the words, that's the creed. That's our constitution, you might say, of what we believe. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Church. But the heart of our faith, Jesus announces today. And it coincidentally starts pretty much in the beginning of our new calendar year. So it serves as a good reminder for us. Why, why do I go to church? Why am I here? What happens when I leave church? We've got the answer, folks. We come here to take the Holy Spirit within us. We come here for the answer to bring God's tidings of hope and love and charity and forgiveness to one another. That's your and my job. Don't come for 40, well, 45 minutes, the average priest. You're going to get at least an hour with me, but that's another story. You know, don't come to church for 45 minutes and say, okay, that's over with. Betty should go to hell and not come at all. Because not coming to church, considering what we have, the Eucharist and the Word of God is the path to hell. God came, he sent his Son, so you and I have instructions on how to live and how to bring quality of life into the world. And if we deny that, even though we've been exposed to it, knock, knock, Gates of hell, here I am. But that's not where we're going today. We're going to look at our mission. He sent you and me to proclaim liberty to captives. How am I going to do that? I don't work in a jail. How about the captives in our own families? The people who are captive of hate or people who are captive in our congregation or community with prejudice, people who are captive of jealousy, people who are captive of lust, people who are captive of greed, people who are captive, and the list can go on and on. And you know them. We all do. Our role is to announce to them, not in a big fashion, noisy way, but that the Spirit of God is with them, what can I, every one of us, do 
to eliminate the captivity that this person in my community and my family might have holding him back, holding her back from full living the human life as God created us. The best way is example. The best way is doing it. Doing charity. Doing forgiveness. Doing listening. Doing a cup of coffee. Doing things for each other that we understand how they feel when they happen to us. To be that shoulder, to, to be that person that can share, whether it's from our pockets or our time. Because there are so many people in our world, and you know it as well as I do, that are oppressed and don't know what freedom is. And I'm not going race here, but in our society, we have had that negative tradition of separating people because of their race or color of skin. And God is telling us it's our job to end that, to free everyone. To free everyone so everyone knows, like the opening song today, all are welcome. There was a woman walking in just as that song was being sung. And I told them, we're singing it for you whoever you are, we're still singing it for you. Because all are welcome to our home, God's house. Today, the Holy Spirit is sending us out. Take those words. If you don't want to rip them out of the bulletin, go home and open your Bibles. Luke 1. And hear the word of God speaking to you. Now, now let, me, let me read this again. But Jesus is not reading it. Jesus is reading it to you and me. Be there in that synagogue in Nazareth, first century, for a few seconds. You're sitting down, and Jesus is looking at all of us and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He anointed you at baptism and confirmation to bring good tidings, especially to the poor. Poor of spirit, poor of finance, poor of heart, poor of mental capacity. God is speaking to each one of us as he says, I am sending you to proclaim liberty to your brothers and sisters, to your neighbors, freedom that we as a country know well about and know how often it's a burden for people. To re proclaim recovery of sight. Open your... I'm in church, so I can't give you an expletive, but open your blankety-blank eyes, people. This is God talking to us. We should never look aside when an injustice is being done. We should never pretend to be blind when we, do, we see something wrong and we'll look the other way. Come on! We've been commissioned by the Holy Spirit. He says to us, it's our job to free the oppressed, whether that oppressed is my brother or sister or a neighbor across the country, and to proclaim every year a year of the Lord.
and take him home with us.